Welcome, everyone. So good to have all of you at all of our churches this morning, Blunstown, Chipley, and Mariana. Hey, today marks the beginning of one of our favorite times of the year as a church, and here is why. Uh, for the every year, for a few weeks, what we do is we pause to remind ourselves of why we do what we do as a church, why we give of our time, why we give of our resources, and why we are basically give our lives to create a church that is for people, uh, a church that really makes it easy for people to connect with God and to connect with each other. And part of the reason that I am so passionate about this is because I absolutely love the local church because I I believe with all of my heart that the local church is the hope of the world. It is the only hope of the world. While there are a lot of other organizations out there that do great things, the church is the one that brings a message of hope of eternal life. That's why I've chosen my life to give my life to being part of the local church. But the other thing that makes me so passionate about this is that churches have such a negative um, reputation with people in our communities, especially with unchurched people. Like churches have a serious branding problem. And you know what? It's not the fault of the people outside of our churches. The problem lies within the attitudes and the actions of those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ within the, um, the walls of what we call the church. That's the problem. And so if you're with us today and you're at any of our churches and you're skeptical or you're kind of cynical or you're resistant to this whole idea of church or like you're here today and you got like one eye on the door and both feet on the brake and you came but you don't trust the church, I just want you to know this is a great day for you to be here. In fact, I hope the next few weeks they really help you to see the heart of our church. And how we as a church think the people who follow Jesus should live and act toward others because we believe as a church that for far too long the church has been known for what it's against instead of who and what we are for. So that's why the whole goal of this sermon series is to remind us of what Jesus said that we as his followers should be known for and what, this, what the church, this movement that Jesus has started should really be all about. And so I've been praying and praying as we've been preparing for the season. I've been praying for those of you who are Christ followers. I've been praying for those of you that are not Christ followers, that this will be a defining moment for so many of us. So what I've been praying for those of us that are Christ followers is that you will see a better way that you can follow Jesus, our Savior and leader, in the way that we treat each other and the way that we treat others, and that those of you who aren't Christ followers, you're going to realize that most likely what you're resisting about following Jesus isn't what Jesus gave his life on the cross to create. See, over the years, I really feel like the church, followers of Jesus, which are what makes up the church, because the church is not a building, that the church is each one of us individually who call ourselves followers of Jesus. We have drifted away from what Jesus modeled through his life and his ministry and his teachings. And instead, we've chosen to hold on to a model that Jesus said, no, nah, I'm doing away with the religious movement. And so we've drifted away from, from this fact that everyone matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. And because they matter to God, and I pray with all my heart that today we see this at a whole deeper level, that they should matter to those of us who say that we are followers of Jesus. As a matter of fact, what we're going to see today is it's impossible to say that you love God and not love the people 
that God loves, which is everyone. And that is just so hard to remember, isn't it? When life is so busy and people just sometimes come across the wrong way, that's hard to remember that God loves everyone. And therefore, they should matter to us. So every year, we collectively come together and we say, hey, let's just get better at refocusing on loving others. But the truth is, we, we have to remind ourselves, don't we, that love, loving other people, it is challenging. It's challenging to love each other well in our homes. It's challenging to love each other well in our workplaces, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. I mean, it takes a lot of effort, and it always costs something because love always demands and requires sacrifice. So the easiest thing to do about this whole love thing that Jesus came, it's like, ignore it. Just act like we're religious because it's so much easier to check a box and be religious than to love people who are not easy to love. So today, um, we're gonna look at what the Apostle John says about loving others well. And um, th this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. In fact, the first book of the Bible I ever taught, I was about 17 years old, and I taught this book of the Bible in the prison system, ACI, East Unit. I taught the first John, and I'm telling you, I know why my dad told me to teach that book. Because it really is all about learning to do life well. If you want a great book that you just say, okay, where do I start? Go read 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. It's absolutely amazing. But this part of 1st John is like one of my favorite parts out of John's writing in 1st John. So even what even makes this not just my favorite part, but it's also what makes the words even more powerful is that John was like the closest friend of Jesus when he was here on the earth. I mean, John had looked love in the eye. John had watched love live. He was mentored by love for three years. Like he watched love be mistreated. He watched love die. He watched love respond to all of that. So John had clarity on love that many of us only dream about understanding and internalizing and living through our lives because he saw it, lived, he watched it respond to the difficulties and the hardships of life. So I want you to listen to what John says as he explains to followers of Jesus. He says, here's what this new movement, the, the church, based on Jesus' command to love, here's what it should look like to the world around and to each other who are part of the church. Here's what he says, 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, if you want to follow along. He says, dear friends, let us love one another. And then he tells us why we should love one another, why this should be a priority. For love, it comes from God. And then he even takes it a step further. And this kind of be, becomes this mirror reflection time, soul searching kind of time. He says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And this is a very intimate kind of word, like a very personal relationship with, with God. It's that kind of love that he's talking about there, this intimacy kind of love. So he says, everyone who loves has been born of God, so do a self-check. How would I love? Because if I've really been born of God, if I really have an intimate relationship with God, it shows in the way I love. Now, here's the thing you got to understand. 
When John talks about loving one another, he, he's not talking about this surface level, superficial kind of level of love, like I love my boat or I love those shoes or I love football. He's not talking about that kind of love at all. No, John is talking about the love that he saw come from God, this sacrificial, this experience that he had watching Jesus love him as he saw the ministry of Jesus loving others. So when he says, hey, love comes from God, he's not telling us what he read in a book. He's not telling us what he heard somebody say. No, he's saying, though I was there, I'm giving eyewitness testimony. I saw love lived out like many of us have never seen or experienced in our lives. So what John is reminding us, he's saying like, this is what love looks like. And he defines for us what love looks like and to the people that he's writing to, what love looks like in a way they didn't see coming. Like Jesus defined loving God in a way that is very tangible and very measurable. If you're religious, it's not tangible and measurable in the sense that most of us think about love. But John says, no, here's how you know that you love. Your love for God is authenticated and demonstrated by your love for others. Not, not how much of the Bible you need to, that you know and that kind of stuff. Not all that stuff. He's like, no. In other words, you don't need to tell me you love God. It's kind of what he's saying. You, you don't even really need to tell me you love God. I'll be able to tell you how much you love God by how well you love all the people around you. Like Christ's life for love for one another. He says, that is your proof of your connection to God. Now what that means is this. If we're not loving others, as John says in verse 7, we got to ask ourselves this question. Am I really born of God? Do I really know God personally in a personal relationship with him? Like, this is a very mirror soul-searching moment for all of us. Because remember, John, he looked love in the eye. He watched love live. He watched it die. He watched love rise again. And it's almost like he's saying, when you see how much God loves you, and all the people around you, the price he was willing to pay for everyone. How can you do anything else but love one another? See, John says the evidence of your relationship with God is your love for your spouse, for your children, for your parents, for your coworkers, for your neighbors. For those people that treat you so badly. But this is not the end of this soul-searching mirror moment for us. Notice what he says in verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Don't, don't miss that. God is love love. God equals love. You can't have God without love. God is love means love is the essence of his being. 
And this is so hard for us to wrap our minds around because it's so different for us. Because here's how it's so different for us. Because see, God loves the worst person in the world more than you love the best person in your world. I love how John Orberg says that. See, God is love. He, he loves the worst person, the most vile, filthy person that you disdain, person that you can never imagine ever loving. God loves the worst person in the world more than you love the best person in your world. Because God is love. Everything else that flows out of God is flowing out of his love. So when we think about God's mercy, his, his justice, even when, when you see about anger or wrath, those kind of things, th there's, a love, there's a love in that, that when we have anger or wrath, it's not out of love. We, we don't even understand it. See, here's the thing. Love is something that we do. Love is who God is. See, love is a choice that we make, but love is the very nature and character of God. You and I, we choose to love or not love, but it is the essence of who God is. God is love. Love is always God's response to everything. And that's just mind-boggling, isn't it? Like, you can't have God without love. It's the essence of his being. And because that's so hard for us to grasp, especially when you think about it, the way John Orberg says it, he's like, man, God loves the worst person in the world better than you love the best person in your world. And he knows that's hard for us to understand. He explains what loves look like. He loves look, looks like. He said, this is how God showed his love among us. It's like, you, you want to kind of see what love looks like, what God's love looks like? He said, this is how he showed it. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And he goes, oh, now, let me just define it for you. The next time you need to know what love is, he goes, oh, I have defined it for you. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is a model for love. Uh, let me just reread this and make it very practical. This is love. Not that they loved me first, but I loved them even when they didn't love me. Now put that in your home. Put that in your family. Put that in your workplace. He says, this is love. Not that we love first, or that they love first, but that we love them, even when they don't love us. Like Jesus showed up in our world and he demonstrated us this is what love in action looks like. And John is saying, hey, I saw this for like three years. I watched love in action and I was in awe. Like we saw love sit at a well and talk to a Samaritan woman in the heat of the day when that was just like the most outrageous thing that a Jewish man could do. 
Like we saw love touch and embrace the untouchables, the disdainable of our society. We watched love when we watched Jesus heal the loved one of one of our enemies. The person or the group of people that were oppressing us. He loved them by healing. We watch love. We watch it wash our feet when we were too selfish and filled with pride to do that for each other. We watch love sacrificing everything hanging on the cross. We watch love give his life for us. And just in case we weren't fully understanding what this is love looks like, in verse 10, he reminds us, hey, love, it always makes the first move. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son. See, love always makes the move to redeem the relationship. Love always makes the first move. Love makes the first move to be for someone else when nobody else seems to be for them. Whether they've done anything for us or not, love always makes the first move and meets people right where they are. So John says, hey, just so you know what love is, this is love. And then John says this in verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought, how can we literally, how can we do anything else? We, we should be so humbled by this kind of love. How can we do anything else? We also ought to love one another. Simply put, following Jesus is the way of love but loving like Jesus loved us. Not just any kind of love. It's the sacrificial other's first love that Jesus demonstrated when he gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for you and for me. And here's the thing that John is telling us. He's saying, there is no way to follow Jesus if you aren't willing to commit your life to learning to love and live this way. Now, here's the challenge for our culture. See, there's a lot of confusion in our culture about love because love is, it's quote of value in America, right? We, we all say that we're loving people. Like everybody wants to be loving. I mean, people who don't even follow Jesus, like if you would ask them, are you a loving person? I know there's a few people say, no, I hate everybody. But you know, most people wanna love, right? They wanna be seen as a loving person. But the Apostle John, he's not talking about this superficial kind of love that we all talk about as a value in America. Anybody can love people who love them. You don't even have to have Jesus in your life to love people who love you. But loving the way Jesus loves us means that we go way beyond that. Loving the way Jesus loves us means that you love your enemies. You love people who can't do anything for you. You love people who speak negatively about you. Loving the way Jesus loved requires you to live differently based on what's most loving for the people around you and not simply what's most appealing to you and comfortable for you. 
And what's even more confusing in this culture of we love in America, right? It's Christians who, who are convinced that their faith is so deep because they know so much about the Bible. And I can quote scripture and I can quote scripture. I can quote scripture out of the Old Testament and the New Testament. I can co explain complicated theological ideas and I can hold people accountable to the truth of God's word. And the people around you are thinking, yeah, but your wife, your husband, they think you're miserable to live with. I mean, your kids, they don't even want to be around you anymore. Like nobody at work, they don't even want to work with you. So how can you claim to follow the one who said, this is what it means to love one another. This is love. And at least not try to get a little better every year at doing a self-check to make sure you're loving one another better. Like how can you claim to have Christ in you and you're not growing in your love, in your sacrifice? in your selflessness for others. See, John's point is this. Being for others, it really does authenticate your faith. Someone recently said, man, this for thing is hard. And I said, yeah, it is really hard, isn't it? Because you gotta be on 24 seven. Like this is not, I can be for you one moment and not another and say I'm for you, right? Like how you treat others shows others who you really are. John says, hey, it shows whether you're born of God or you really are have an intimate relationship with God or not. And so John is challenging all of us that we who follow Jesus, our behavior should be governed by Jesus' love toward us. He says, you ought to, based upon this incredible love that you've experienced. You ought to. So that's why we want to be a church that is known that we are for everyone. Doesn't mean we agree with everyone. Doesn't mean we approve of what everyone does. But we love, as our Savior loved everyone. Like we want to be known as a church that is for everyone because Jesus was for everyone. Everyone. As I told you, John Ortberg says, you know, Jesus loves the worst person in the world more than you love the best person in your world which means this and we've said this for years like we are for our schools we are for the businesses in our community we are for our local government that's why you don't get on facebook as a follower of christ and just post all this crazy mess like i had to get off of social media because i was like man there's just no saved people in the world anymore you know Like, who loves anymore? Like, we're for adults, we're for students, like, we're for children. We are for people. It doesn't mean we agree with everybody. But when there's a problem, we do what Jesus said. You first go to that person in person and have a conversation. He never said post it on social media. Never once. It's why we say we're for the counties we're in. We're for Liberty County, Cowan County, Washington County, Wakala County, Jackson County. See, the reason we are for people is that God is for everyone. When he died on the cross, he was expressing his love for 
everyone. There was no exception. And if you consider yourself a Christ follower, I really hope that you'll pause and you'll just take a mere moment to reflect and consider whether you are really loving others the way Jesus loved us. Like, is there some self-centeredness in you? Is there some self-righteousness in you? See, that's where us Christians really get it wrong. We get self-righteous and become so self-centered. You're full of pride. So is there like some self-righteousness in you? Some self-centeredness in you that is making it difficult for people around you to connect with God's love? Because I'm telling you, our world, they deserve to see what it looks like for a church and a church being a group of people who call themselves Christ followers to really be others first for others. They deserve the opportunity to come to a church that makes it easy for them to connect with God. Because as we sang in that last song this morning, the world is dying to know who you are. And the only way they're going to know who he is is by the way that we love. That's why we don't hesitate to ask you to give some of your time to serve here. Because like you can help by serving, being for others, rebrand the way that people look at the church. It's why we don't hesitate to ask you to give here. Because by giving, you help fund the ministries that we do to help people understand that we're for them. See, we don't have to be hypocrites who look good on the outside as the church has for many years and on the inside like we're all about ourselves and we're so filled with hate and rage that we think somehow or another we can go on social media and we can type in things and we can say anything we want to say about people and like somehow or another I'm still a follower of Jesus. And Jesus goes, oh no. John says, oh no. Your love for other people is demonstrated and authenticated by the way you act, respond and react. See, you gotta understand, a lot of people come into church and they, they think the church is like this cruise line. See, for too many years they had church membership. You know, and church membership is all about opportunities and perks and privileges, right? It's all about perks and privileges. Membership has its what? Privileges, right? Yeah, listen, the church is not a cruise line. The church is a battleship. The church is a rescue ship that is designed to point people and connect people to Jesus. So if we're going to be known for what we are for, I just want to tell you, words are not enough. Words are just not enough. We also have to have deeds. We have to prove by our actions that we are a people that are for everyone by actually being for everyone. Like we have to put love into action and we have to do something. And this means while it's not easy, you can simplify following Jesus down to this one statement and that is this, what does love lead me to do in this situation? Like what would Jesus do here? In light of how God loves me, what does love lead me to do? In light of God's grace that I'm shown by God when I fail, what does love, love lead me to do when it comes to showing grace to other people? In light of how God served me by dying on the cross, what does love lead me to do when it comes to serving other people? In light of how generous God was to me, God gave his life for me. What does love lead me to do when it comes to generosity? In light of how forgiving God has been to me daily, what does love lead me to do when it comes to forgiveness? So I want you to leave today with a couple questions to ask yourself this week. 
And I'll give you two steps. The second step has two parts to it. To consider helping you um, love some people, be for some people, experience people in our community, experience you being for them, and be able to say, hey, this is love. So let me give you three questions. You might want to write these down. Or if you follow along in the app, they're already in the app for you. So here they are. The first question is this. Do you see loving others as an opportunity? John says, hey, we ought to love one another because of the way we love. So do you see loving others as an opportunity or is it just an option to consider in your life? Like is your entire life consumed with doing what's best for you? Or are you thinking it's John's thing? He's saying, wow, since God loved me, how can I do anything else but love? Yeah, I know this person is difficult to love. I know this person, I gotta have some good boundaries in place. But I, I've been called to love because of the love that's flowing in and through me. Now let's just take this question to another level and it's this, are you loving others in such a way that caused people to look beyond you to God? In other words, is the love that you're living, is it fully explainable when somebody sees, oh yeah, they're scratching their back because they're scratching their, ba- their back, right? Or does it make them stop and wonder, like why would somebody be like that, do like that? How can they do that? Why, why do they give like they give? Why do they serve like they serve? How can they forgive like they forgive? That's just beyond natural human reasoning. It's like so much more than that, it's supernatural. Does it point people to God? And then third question is this, what can you do to move people's attention away from the kind of person you are to the kind of God that he is? Because here's the thing, when people experience our attitudes and our actions, the goal for them is to understand that God is for them. Now, as you think through these three questions, I wanna give you two steps that are gonna help you be for others by loving well. So everybody can take part of this. There's a baby step and and there's a big step. So everybody can do something. So we're gonna start with the big step, okay? And here's the big step. Do the loving thing that you've avoided doing. Do the, yeah, there was a laugh of pain right there. (laughs) Do the loving thing that you've avoided doing. Then every one of you are feeling it. Somebody just was bold enough to express it, proud of you. Like this step is gonna be different for every one of us, but you know exactly what this is when it comes up on the screen. Some of you, you have a broken relationship with one and you've refused to reach out and try to restore that relationship. You've talked to everybody else, you've gone to counseling, you're having conversations all in your head, but you refuse to go have a face-to-face conversation with them. This week, you need to probably pay them a visit. Maybe make a phone call, say, hey, can we get together for lunch? You need to seek peace in that relationship. Matthew 5, Matthew 18. Jesus says, first, if there is a problem, first, meaning that's the first thing you do, go to that person. Some of you have a rift with your parents that needs repairing. Some of you need to do whatever it takes to make things right in your marriage. You need to tell her, hey, yes, I will go to counseling. I'll be glad to go to counseling. Or maybe you've told your spouse, hey, I want a divorce. And you need to swallow your pride and you need to go back and you need to commit to working through those problems instead of escaping those problems. See, that's what loving one another looks like for some of you. There's some serious relationship issues in many of your lives. And love says, no, you need to do the thing you've avoided doing. Some of you, for you, love means you need to come clean and be honest about a secret that you've been keeping. 
I mean, it makes no sense to come clean because it's probably going to cost you a whole lot, create a lot of discomfort and pain in your life. But you know what you've been doing in secret is wrong, but loving others as followers of Jesus would mean you be honest, even when it hurts, even when you're not forced to come clean and be honest, you come clean. For some of you, that means serving the neighbor that you hate. And they know you hate them. And John would say, hey, anybody that doesn't love isn't what? Born of God. For some of you, it means giving money that you've not wanted to give. Like, like, I don't know what this looks like for you, but I bet you do. And here's what I know. It's not going to be easy. This is the big step. But it's the kind of love that followers of Jesus live out. You do the loving thing that's going to cause people to look beyond you to the God that's at work in and through you. Now, I'm going to give you a couple little steps, too. Not because you don't need to take the big step. This doesn't let you, let you off the hook. But sometimes if you take a little step, it helps you take the bigger step, right? So to get us started taking steps this week, we're, we're just going to love like normal people love. Like, we're going to give God the credit, though. So when you came in today, there was a four card and then a four cling that was on your seat and they are to help you to remind, they're to help to remind you, hey, we need to love this week. We need to love. Like you put this cling on your car as a way to create curiosity and conversation. But remember, when you put it on your car, it's on your car. You always got to be four. Now, I will just tell you, if you can't put it on your car, You maybe need to look in the mirror and go, why can't I put it on my car? Are you born of God? Do you know God? You put it somewhere in your house to remind you, put it on your computer, put it on the face of your phone. Like, instead of being on that stupid phone when you're around other people, texting other people and doing other things, look at this four thing on your phone and go, oh, I need to hang out with these people that I'm with. Just a thought. I could do a whole sermon on that sometime. But anyhow, that's just another day, right? So this card is a reminder that's going to help you take your first baby step. So what's the first baby step? It's do something loving for someone so they know God is for them. And then just leave this card as the explanation, right? Buy the person behind you in the drive-thru, their meal or their coffee, and leave, and leave this card with the person and say, hey, give it to them. Tell them their stuff's bought, Right? Do something for somebody at work that you know they need something or they would enjoy something and just give them that and leave this card. Like you figure out a way to show love this week. Do something loving and let them know that God is for them. And by the way, do not leave any of these cards on the seats because, you know, even Bluntstown Chipley, I know where you sit. So I can tell who's not loving in our church, right? <laughs> Listen, church. If we want to change our culture, if we want to change our community, if we want to change our nation, if we want to change the world, we need to start loving other people right here in our world the way God has loved us. Some of you didn't clap like that was very convincing of you. Oh, now we're going to go again, right? No, we're not. Listen, here's the deal. 
through loving well. Listen, this is how it's going to work. Loving other people well. We're going to show people that God is for them. We're going to show people that Christians are for them. Like, we have the opportunity to show people by taking these baby steps and this big step. Now, here's another baby step that we're going to ask you to take to show people in our community that often get overlooked in our communities that I think have one of the most important and difficult jobs. It's the school bus drivers and the monitors on the school buses in our communities. This month, in one week of this month, was school bus driver appreciation. So in the lobby of your campus, there are going to be some thank you cards that have some four note cards, right? I want you to pick up one of those cards and write a note of appreciation. Bring it back next Sunday, right? And uh, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to put like a, at least a $20, $25 gift in it, right? Now, by the way, some of you, you don't have $20 or $25 to put in that card. But if you'd like to write a note, you put a note, write a note, bring it back. The church will make sure that we get a, a, a gift in there, right? But if you're going to go to lunch today or lunch any day this week, you're going to spend $20 or $25. So skip a meal and love somebody, right? Because love sacrifices. It's just an easy way for us to take a baby step in loving to show the school bus drivers, the monitors, the mechanics that keep these things on the road. Hey, there's somebody that notices and there's somebody that cares. Listen, John reminded us, since God loved us, he said, this is love. We have the opportunity, the responsibility to love each other well as followers of Jesus. And I just want to say, if we ever falter from this, it's just a matter of time before we become all about ourselves and the bigger concern is that our world is okay and that we're all right and our church will lose our influence of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in a world that so desperately needs hope. Now, I just want to challenge as we close out today, let's be the kind of people who make it our goal every day to do what love leads us to do. And, and when we mess up, and here's the thing, we will because we're human. Let's do what love leads us to do and we go own it. We ask for forgiveness. Let's go talk to that person. Let's be people who are part of Jesus' new movement, established by this new covenant, built on his new command to love one another. Let's do what love leads us to do this week. And when our church does that, man, our community, they're gonna know that God is for them because People are for them. And I'm just going to tell you, John says, and by the way, the only way your faith is authenticated, the way you know you're born of God and that you know God, it's not how much Bible you know, how theologically correct you can argue, but do you love the people that are difficult to love well? So let's remove the obstacles that make the church and God's so resistible to people. And let's point the people in our community to Jesus in a very beautiful way. Can we do that this week? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, forgive us for being imposters and saying that we love when it's really um, evident to so many people around us that um, it's, it's not love. It's self-serving.
as we talked about and prayed about in our first love series that we did this summer, God, again, we come before you and you say, God, I'm listening to John again speak to our hearts. God, we, a lot of us realize we've lost our first love. And we come back to you today and say, God, I just want to understand your love. I want to understand a love that loves the worst person in the world better than I love the best person in my world. God, help us to so grow in our understanding of this. And this is why we're here this morning. It's why we're gathered. We, we want to. We desire it. But help us to understand your love in such a powerful way. That we go out this week and there are not enough four cards for us just to leave as a testimony that we're for. That there are not enough thank you notes for everybody to take one because all of us are desiring to show love and appreciation. But then God, help us to do the bigger step and do the thing that love is leading us to do that we want to avoid and have been avoiding. In Jesus' name, we ask for your power, your strength, and your love to do this well. In Jesus' name, we said, and the church together said, amen. Have a great day. Love well this week. We'll see you next Sunday. Can't wait to hear the stories.